Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Haunted History Chronicles. Charles Causley was born on the 24th of August 1917 in the Newport district of the town of Launston in Cornwall. In a small rented cottage standing just by the River Kenzie, its medieval packhorse bridge and St Thomas Parish church. The site of his birth is now a private house, marked by a plaque installed by the town council. He spent most of his life living in the same town, apart from his years of wartime service, a period of teacher training, and a number of spells as a touring or residential speaker, tutor or writer. He died in the town at the age of 86, on the 4th of November 2003. His poetry frequently refers to Cornwall and its legends, folklore, magic and the supernatural. The Charles Causley Trust, a registered charity, exists to celebrate his life and work and promote new literature activity in the community and region in which he lived. We're joined today by Jim Causley, a relative of Charles to talk about the Trust, the poetry of Charles Causley, some of the legends and folklore that Launston has to offer, as well as a spectacular upcoming event for Halloween, scheduled for October the 28th. So, let's get started by introducing our guest. Hi Jim, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi Michelle, thank you for having me. So do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a folk singer and musician based in Devon, um, on the northern edge of Dartmoor. And I mainly specialise in traditional music of this area and region. And uh, I also write songs for myself as well. I study traditional music at the University of Newcastle. And I've sort of yeah steeped myself in it ever since, really. I met people up there who were very passionate about the music of various different regions that they came from so I wanted to bring a bit of that passion home to the West Country and uh, shout about the music and traditions that we have down here so I'm quite involved in um, quite a few different folklore events around the country such as wassailing and other traditions and um, yeah, I'm very passionate about local culture and custom so I'm got quite a few fingers in different pies and things to do with dialect as well and of course and Dartmoor has a huge amount of um, traditional folk songs and customs and folklore and all sorts of stuff that I love so uh, yes. You're kept busy then? Yeah pretty much. (laughs) And one of the one of the places and, and things that you're involved in is obviously the Causley Trust. Do you want to tell us about that involvement and and what the Causley Trust is really? Yep. So uh, I'm a relative of the Cornish poet Charles Causley, who uh, lived, as I say, just over the border from Devon in, in Launson, Lanson. And um, the Causley side of the family is from Devon, I should point out, just in case you're worried. Um, but his mum's side were from that part of the world, from just over the border. And uh, so I've been setting Charles's poems to music for quite a few years now because um, Charles was a bit of a folky himself as well. And he's quite fond of traditional folk songs and ballads. And a lot of his poems work really well to music. In fact, he often would put to the tune of to many of his poems and uh, suggest traditional tunes and songs. 
so I've been doing that and then I played at a few festivals there's two sort of Causley festivals actually there's the Causley festival in Launceston of course and also in the village of Trusham which is where it's the like Charles's ancestral home on his father's side where the Causleys were from they also had a few Causley festivals there as well so I performed some of my settings of Charles's poems at these festivals and I gradually got to know the Causley Trust and who are well, they started off as a group of Charles's friends who got together after Charles died, and they wanted to keep his name out there. It was the first objective, but they also wanted to save his house, which is a little two-up, two-down terrace cottage where Charles lived with his mum, uh, which is called Cypress Well, which is an unusual name. It comes from uh, it's a corruption of the local place name. It was originally Sibard's Well, so there's an old Saxon well there. And over the years, that somehow became Cyprus. Uh, anyway, so they managed to buy Charles's house and save it for the town and for the nation, I should say. Um, it's not really sort of like a national trust type of place. It's not quite big enough. It's very small. But they do open it now and then to small parties, I think. Um, so the trust has grown over the years and um, evolved. And the I think the Charles Causey Festival started as a separate entity I believe. And there was also the Charles Gorsley Society. And then the society eventually merged with the trust, which made perfect sense. And the trust also took on the festival as well. So, uh, yes, they've certainly grown. And I think the original team has handed over more to um, professional people that they've employed to run the trust, which is a really good thing. And yes, so I think they've been expanding and trying to find new ways to bring Charles's work more out to the world and also to bring people to Launceston as well and to just discover its delights. Which seems very fitting because Charles really did love Cornwall and the area and loved it for its folklore, for its legends, for its stories, the kind of the magic that the place just seemed to have in abundance. And that comes through in the poetry that he wrote, absolutely. And and I think it's wonderful that the trust is is helping to not only highlight his work and where he lived, but also something about the area itself, the place that was part of him, you know, part of his, mm. his bones, if you like. And I think yeah, it's really he, wonderful that they're going hand in hand. Definitely. Yeah, he was yeah, he wasn't one of these poets that was you know gonna move to london and become famous because he could have done that i mean he was um in some ways he was quite lucky to be a poet at the time he was when you know he was on the te television regularly and the radio back in the day and uh, i think he could make quite a decent living as a poet then and uh, so he had a bit of celebrity status so he could have played on that a bit more in a way if he wanted to but he wasn't really that sort of character he was quite um quite a modest sort of person and, and he loved his hometown as you say and uh, that's where he chose to base himself yeah and he drew on loads of local folklore and legends and place names and yeah his poetry is full of that um and uh that yes they make wonderful topics for um different events around the town as well and we we've done a, a causely christmas event a few times where we've focused on his christmas poems and we've had a lovely concert in the church at st thomas which is near to where he's buried and also where he lived uh, in the younger part of his life 
and we had a yeah, lovely candle lit concert in there. And I was chatting with Nikki, who's uh, the main person in charge of the Corsi Trust at the moment. And we're talking about different events we could have throughout the year. And I said to her, I said, well, he did write quite a lot of spooky and supernatural poems as well. I said, maybe we could play on that too. So that's how this new event has come about. Which I think is really exciting because, again, I just think it showcases another element to his poetry because he did write so many different types of of poetry and that was definitely one of you know the elements to his poetry Mm. you know this kind of spooky supernatural side and I think the fact that you're having this event at the end of the month for Halloween to highlight some of that work to Mm. showcase some of the incredible history that Launceston has some of the spooky tales that it has um, to be able to experience some of the folklore and some of the very dark history and intriguing history is just fantastic and a real draw for people looking to come and enjoy the area, enjoy some of the beautiful scenic walks, the stories, the ghost stories, the, the songs, the music, the ghost stories, the poetry. I mean, it's got so much to it and it's just an incredible fun day out, I think, a fun fun opportunity to to do something a little bit different for halloween Mm. we're very lucky that we've got some amazing group of people that through our various connections we said oh we could invite them we could invite them so uh, we've got mark norman who uh runs the folklore library and podcast which you might have heard of and uh he's also librarian at crediton library and uh so yeah he's an excellent person to have come along so he's going to be talking about the folklore of Cornwall and uh, and there's usually a bit of a spooky bent to to most things he talks about which is ideal and then also I'm friends with a chap called Simon Costin who in recent years um, took over running the witchcraft museum in Boscastle and just by coincidence Simon has moved from London down to Cornwall and he's bought a house in Launceston and he's not bought any old house, of course. He's only been and bought the oldest house in the town, which also uh, has several ghost stories attached to it as well, which Charles Corsi happened to write some poems about. So it is all sort of summing up very nicely. And uh, so I'm going to hope you won't mind me saying he lives in a, a very, it's quite a famous house in the town called Dockacre. And Charles wrote a poem uh, of the same title. And uh, so obviously we're going to be performing that one. And so Simon's going to talk about about the house and about his um, renovation of it, as well as his work with the Witchcraft Museum. And, and I think you've got somebody else to tell us about as well. It's going to be an interesting twist on the evening. Yeah, we've got, we know that Corinne, who is part of the Jamaica Inn Paranormal Team, is going to be there with Gemma. And that means you can expect some incredible history of Cornwall, of Launceston, um, ghost stories, a history of smugglers. I mean, the passion that they have for the area, I think, is is just incredible. And I think having that as an element is going to be something that people will enjoy immensely, as well as just a real collection of different speakers and different opportunities, Definitely. really, which is fantastic. And it's in a lovely setting too, in the all take place in the Guild Hall, where the you know the evening events are, which is a really lovely, very old building. And so that will be ideal. As well as the the tours around the town, there's going to be a paranormal walk, isn't there? Yep. 
which would be quite fascinating. I'm hoping I'm going to get to go on that too if I've got time to uh, join I just, in. I just think it's 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 something for everybody really because it's not the classic ghost walk. It's there's so much more to it, and it's such a bargain. I mean, tickets are incredibly um, low priced at, at five pounds for the ghost walk and so on. And if you get if you want to attend both events with, you know, the talks, the readings, the music, and the ghost talk at just mm. seven pound fifty, I mean, you can't you can't kind of. <laughs> You can't say that that's not a bargain to exactly. be able to hear yeah. those speakers and just be able to dive into mm-hmm. all the folklore, the the supernatural, the the mystery, the intrigue that the area has to have. I just think it's incredible. Well, it's a, a super town to visit actually because poor old Launcer, it does get a bit overlooked because it's it's literally as the gateway to Cornwall. As you come into Cornwall on the A30. Um, sadly, a lot of people nip down through the A30 and don't stop because they're on their way to the more famous tourist attractions of Cornwall. But Launceston is the ancient uh, capital of Cornwall at one stage and the gateway town. And it's got a gorgeous medieval castle and no doubt older castles underneath that as well. And it's a very ancient settlement indeed and a very prominent location as it's got this, you know, it's on a, a, a type of very classic town that's built on a hill, which is a great place for uh, defending and looking out across the river valley. Um, so, and there's several other attractions. There's quite a few, in fact, you can do a Charles Causley tour as well, if you like, where you can um, do a tour around the town that's based on his poems and visit various different sites that are mentioned in his poems. So like, the castle and then there's um, a great pathway called zigzag which literally does it's uh, what it says on the tin and it goes from the top of the town right down to the river kenzie at the bottom and there's a, a an abbey ruin at the bottom near st thomas water by the river there which you can also visit and then there's the uh, steam railway as well if you fancy a trip on the the heritage railway as well and yes it's uh, it's got a lot going for it and it's a very very cute little town the actual shopping area at the top it's got a lovely it's almost got like a sort of village feel to it in a way and it's uh, almost like a very classic sort of um like a saxon burr if you know what i mean at the the top of the town and it's so it's got various layers of history that you can explore from different uh, different occupations through time. And I think what you said is is really very apt because it, it is a place that many people do drive through or overlook on their way to driving to somewhere bigger, you know, the more popular areas to go and visit and stay for a short holiday or mm. weekend away. But Launceston really has very long history, very, very long, intriguing set of history. And mm has played a really prominent role in a lot, an awful lot, as well mm. as being steeped in this kind of magic of what Cornwall has to offer in, ter- in terms of these very old traditions and superstitions and folklore. And, and so it's, it's an opportunity to really kind of be part of that and to realise its place and the place mm. that it's had. Because it's got a very sort of a slightly English-sounding name, which is deceptive, because mm. Launceston. Um, but I blame, uh, I blame the Normans or maybe <laughs> for sticking the letter U where it doesn't belong, because um, all the locals call it Lanson. And and they're absolutely right, because the old name for it's uh, an old um, Brythonic word. It should be 
like Llan Stefan, and there's a, a similar place in Carmarthenshire, there's another Llan Stefan, which simply means Church of St. Stephen uh, in Welsh and uh, Cornish as well. And that's the name of St. Stephen's Church, which is sort of over the other side of the town. And uh, and the older settlement, again, is the, the Saxon part was originally called Dunhevard as well. So it's like I said, it's got so many different layers of history that you can explore. And the uh, the Church of Mary Magdalene is very famous. It's um, one of the most sort of decorated parish churches uh, in the West Country because the entire outside of it is carved uh, with lots of different statues and scenes and it looks like a sort of granite birthday cake it's incredibly elaborate for um, the church for a small town and uh, on the other was well, quite a few stories but um, uh, Charles lived on Angel Hill which is a very pretty sounding name although um, you might not think it's so pretty after you walked up it because it's incredibly steep and it's not very popular in the town because it's where they take people on their driving test to do hill starts so <laughs> to give you an idea <laughs> yeah um, but it the legend is it got its name when um, a, a medieval bishop of exeter was coming to visit the town and he was riding up the hill on a donkey as you do and he heard the choir singing from Mary Magdalene Church, and he proclaimed that it sounded so beautiful, it must be a choir of angels. And so from that day forth, it was known as Angel Hill. Well, actually, there's one local legend you might like. There's, um, there's a, one that's got quite a famous song about it um, called My Lady's Coach, and it's about this woman who drives from uh, Tavistock to Oakhampton in a coach made of the bones of her four dead husbands with a oh, skull brilliant. at his corner. And... Um, the legend is that she murdered all her husbands and her penance is she has to drive to Oakhampton Castle and pluck a blade of grass each night from the mound and she'll be free of the curse when the mound is free of grass or when doomsday comes, whichever is the sooner. And and that's quite a fun sort of spooky tale in itself. But uh, it's based on a real historical figure who was a lady that lived in Tudor times called Mary Howard and she did have four husbands but she had quite a, a sad life really they were all all but one were arranged marriages and the only time she married for love he died quite soon after of illness and uh, her father was quite a horrible hated man in the area and um, and but she's managed to survive them all so it was quite a triumphant story so it's quite cruel that folklore has made her out as this wicked character but, um, but it's really fascinating. With that story, you've got the the myths and the folklore and the real history as well. So there's loads of stuff like that around the town. And then you come through this ancient medieval um, gatehouse as you enter the town, um, which really sets the scene, actually. And, uh, and in fact, that's where the Causey Trust are now based. They have their offices and the upstairs of the gatehouse, which you can drive under as you come in. Oh, fantastic. And again, I think what's wonderful is that, you know, I know the intention is as part of this this event that some of these buildings, some of the, these locations really are going to be part of that discussion, part of that history, part of mm. some of the stories. And so people are going to be able to dive into some of the some of these buildings that maybe have been overlooked, that maybe people mm. don't know the history of, people don't know the ghost stories of, people don't know the folklore and superstitions attached to those 
to those areas mm. and people are going to come away with a whole host of, of information that they wouldn't have known beforehand I think and I think that's uh, that's an incredible opportunity to take part in to, mm. to have that opportunity again for just £7.50 I mean you know <laughs> you don't get that anywhere else really as a fun Definitely. evening out exactly I mean what time does it start do you know the walk around the town I think it starts at six. Okay, so, I know... so it's, it's definitely going to be dark by then, isn't it? Yeah, so very much the I kind mean, of the spooky nightly Yeah, and the, there's not in. many towns that have got um, a great big medieval castle right in the middle of town as well. And it's got lovely grounds. And, and again, because it's on the hill, it's got fantastic views around. So that's going to be very atmospheric to walk around there in the dark. That's very good fun. And then you, they'll probably take them down castle street and you go by the eagle house hotel which is another place that charles wrote poem about um and because the legend is that there's um these two eagle statues on the gateposts and a statue of britannia on the roof and local folklore has it that these three come to life at certain spooky nights of the year and they fly around the town and terrorize the children so <laughs> Charles wrote a poem about that one. And, um, and so and also less spooky is the legend of Mary Magdalene. There's a statue of Mary Magdalene on the side of the church and she's laying on her back. And, uh, and there's a local um, sort of game really where you have to throw a coin. And if you can get a coin to land on the top of the statue, then apparently you'll receive a brand new suit of new clothes. <laughs> so um i don't know if anyone's actually um achieved it yet but um it's good fun having a go anyway absolutely i was gonna say just fun for the, for the chance to do it i think but yeah. It, it, but yeah i think the event starts at 6 p.m and um i think the ghost walk lasts for about 90 minutes and so that's where people are going to be able to hear some of those ghostly tales some of that history um explore some of those locations that we've mentioned and then at 8 p.m is when we get to experience the poetry that you're going to be putting some music to as well as hearing from you know these different speakers that you've you've mentioned so yep. a really fun evening and like you said just the chance to be able to do that as the night's drawing in um, at that time of the year to to be able to wander through these little kind of avenues these little hidden away places and explore the the spooky tales and the history that it has and and celebrate some of the of the poetry and the and you know your music alongside that and then incredible speakers just fantastic really really fun evening i think definitely yeah it'd be i've done a few halloween events where they've been sort of maybe just fun for children perhaps or a bit more commercial end of halloween but i think this will be really nice because it just feels a bit more rooted and grounded in some genuine local folklore and stories and traditions and uh, i think that will make it all the more special and i think all the more special having people having had the opportunity to do that tour first to have that walk first to almost be able to step back in time and and walk some of that history as they're wandering from location to location as part of that route. And then to finish with the, the, the poetry and the music and, the, you know, the speakers 
to be able to kind of tie that all together in some way, mm. to see those connections and to see the impact that it had on Charles Causley, on his poetry, um, and how it still plays that part today for the people that live there. Many of these stories really are part of the community. And for an evening, for a few hours, people get to be part of that too, which, again, is just a really fun evening out I think you know something that you can enjoy by yourself or as a small group with your family I mean it's really got something for everybody I think definitely yeah and I think Charles would uh, approve as well because uh, he was very passionate about these you know local folklore and stories and obviously that's why he brought them into his poems you see and was inspired to turn them into poems and so he's in many ways he's just one more link in a very ancient continuum of telling these tales and keeping them going and sort of showing people that this is what you've got in your own backyard you know absolutely and I think and I think celebrating that is so important because we have that kind of history across all of our regions and it's being able to find out where you can go to be able to learn about it and you know I think you're right I think he's just part of that peace to help that continue for for the area that he loved so much and definitely storytelling is so powerful i think as a medium to help do that and music is an incredible medium to help do that before we head back to the podcast with the spooky season upon us right now is the perfect time to head on over to patreon and explore the daily content suitable for Halloween and all things ghostly. You'll be able to unlock all previous content, as well as access to future content. You can find a direct link to the Haunted History Chronicles Patreon page via the podcast description note. Whilst we're also talking about this spooky season, if you love filling your home with autumnal scents or fragrances to spook and delight, take a listen to this short clip. Hello everyone of Michelle's awesome listeners. My name is Sarah and I am an independent Sensi consultant. I have been listening to Haunted History Chronicles like you and I would like to tell you about some awesome products for all of my paranormal friends like you. Sensi is a safer alternative to candles. You just melt our wax with the heat of a low watt light bulb or element and fill your space with fragrance, not flame, smoke or soot. We have so many warmers for the spooky season coming up. Starting with Paranormal Pumpkin. This perfectly carved pumpkin will haunt your dreams in the best possible way. Turn it on for an eerie glow that will last long after the trick-or-treaters have gone to bed. It's hand-painted and 7 inches tall. Or a favorite of mine, the Haunting Good Time Warmer. Up for a good fright? Fun is lurking in the shadows of this haunted house. Just lift the roof to warm your favorite fragrance. It is also hand-painted and 10 and a half inches tall. We also have mini warmers like the Ghoulish Grip that is three and a half inches tall. A skeletal hand grips its favorite brew while a dramatic color contrast is ready to turn some heads. Get ready for Halloween and fill your life with fragrance by visiting my website at sarahcsmells.sensi.us. That is Sarah with an H, C, smells.sensi.us. Thank you. And now let's get back to the podcast.
love that you know you're going to be involved to help put some of the mm. the heart and soul to, into it as well do you know what i mean like it to look towards the poems to to kind of bring Definitely. them to life as well wow oh, yeah i'm always cautious about that because i think you know poems don't need to be set to music because they're absolutely perfect as they are and and some poems um don't you know this just feel like they don't want to be set to music somehow but but some really lend themselves to it and uh it's just I don't know, if you get it right you can add an extra bit of magic and, I think so. Uh, if you get it wrong, you can completely ruin them. But, <laughs> but well, um, I think what you said is right. There are some where it really just speaks to it. It just seems to work. It just seems to go hand in hand. And I think the magic of some of Charles's poetry was that it really did kind of have that feel to it. Um, maybe because in some ways they were steeped in the, you know, in the kind of the older traditions of of poetry being around a fire and you know being spoken aloud almost like that almost like you know how you had bards telling stories over and over and mm. again over again that they were almost like pieces of music in mm. some way um, well i mean a lot of ancients like like the ancient greek poetry they say you know was originally intended to be sung so uh, they sort of go hand in hand in that sense and of course charles actually he was he was quite unfashionable in his time in many ways because he was around, you know, the time of like the beat poets and where using rhymes wasn't cool. It wasn't the done thing, you know, and he was very old fashioned and traditional in that sense. And he, you know, really loved the ballad meter and things like that, which is incredibly helpful for musicians like me, because um, poems that don't rhyme are a lot more difficult to set to music. <laughs> so, um, yes, he uh, made it well sort of encouraged it in many senses and I did worry about when the first days when I was setting them to music I used to think oh am I doing the right thing is this you know would you have approved or not but then when you see him writing things like to the tune of or things like that then uh, or you can hear echoes of other songs in the poem that he's written then you get the sense that I think he probably would have approved oh I think so absolutely do you have any favorite poems of his Oh, too many, a, I imagine. <laughs> that's a really difficult question because <laughs> you sort of love them all for different reasons, many ways. Yeah. Um, it's tricky that, like, there's some poems because I recorded the album in Charles's house and I got to use Charles's own piano as well. And several of his poems mention objects and things that are in his house. Mm. So, and so when we were recording them, you know, a lot of us got this really quite um, spine tingly moments because I don't think we were recording them in the room that he wrote them using his piano and surrounded by his things and where he lived. And yeah, and there's like there's one poem that he wrote about, um, well, it was after his mum died and it mentions objects in the house as well. And that really does um, make your hair stand on end in a way. In a, in, in, not in a bad way as well in quite a nice way but um um and there's I, there's one thing he, he does this quite a lot but there's one particular poem called who where he is telling a story and he's looking back on a scene in sort of olden days and of farming in more traditional ways and things like that and he mentions the valleys and rivers and, and places where there are now houses standing there and at the end of the poem 
uh, you discover that he's looking back on himself almost as a ghost. He And he did this quite a lot. He would often write from the perspective of himself being a ghost, which is really quite an intriguing thing to do. And him looking at the, the world of the living from the other side, if you see what I mean. So... It's, uh, yes, and he, he wrote another one that was based in his house, and again, where he's sort of passed on, and he's looking back at his own empty house, which is, yeah, it's quite an intriguing thing to do, but it's definitely one I'll be performing on the night. Ooh, so something for people to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, his I mean, his poetry really is very unique. I mean, speaking as a as a teacher and as someone who studied English literature, I mean, his poetry is one that children just love. Um, there's something that they just connect with. in, And that's pretty magical as a teacher when you kind that's of good. see that moment of connection. They love the rhyme. They love the rhythm of his poems. And the kind of the directness that he had, the, the way that he could speak to somebody and connect through mm. his words. Well, of course, very... he was a, a school teacher himself as well. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, I, and I wonder if that kind of, meant that he was able to speak to children in that way you know he knew what kinds of things interested them and how to connect and and just just the way that children like to be told things mm. matter-of-factly to have that kind of direct bit of information you know he, he his poetry does that I think for them and and yet there is so much more to his poetry as well because there's some very complex themes some very complex mm. kind of narratives and and viewpoints and and yeah i just i think it's i think it's fantastic that the trust is helping to kind of keep his poetry and his writing alive as well as obviously sharing the the place the location that he loved so much and that mm. was so dear to his heart and came through in his poetry too definitely no? yeah and often one thing that intrigues me that's that um when he compiled his collected volume of poetry, there was um, like a lot of his, you know, it seems silly to say it, but his adult poems and also his poems for children were all in there. But he also did a, a collected volume for children. And there's some poems in there that I look at and think, oh, I don't know if I would have put that in a volume for children. That's That seems a bit adult to me. But uh, a lot of people say he, he never patronised children. I think that's very true. And um, and maybe we're, I don't know, a bit more cautious these days and think, oh, you know, they, well, they might not like that or might be a bit too spooky or whatever. But um, actually, one thing I always think is interesting is Charles was born the same year as Roald Dahl. And, and I think they've got a bit of a similar way of entertaining children, actually, that you don't see so much these days you know they they took risks that um writers might not take these days you know what i mean and the bit edgy about the stuff that kids love you know bit of spookiness think... bit of gore maybe <laughs> no but i think you're right i don't think they shied away from them they they often chose deliberately sometimes difficult or darker concepts definitely as as a means of well this is how we can explore it through poetry or through stories or through you know novels you know I think sometimes by by not giving children the opportunity to to immerse themselves in that is it's doing them a disservice really and that's what I mean I think there's something very much about his poetry that really did speak directly to children in a way that allowed them to connect with 
something that they shouldn't shy away from, but is allowing them a platform and a medium to do it safely. Definitely. I mean, one of the biggest topics is death, actually, that um, he deals with. And, and, but, but not in a, a morbid or macabre way. It's very often in a, a friendly and um, um, amenable sort of way. It's hard to de- describe it, but um, yeah, I mean, it, well, this most famous poem on that is Eden Rock, where he um, uh, meets his parents again. And, um, and the way he sort of sets the scene and describes, you know, seeing them again, probably seeing them younger than he knew them in real life. But um, he, he sort of, again, takes the spookiness out in many ways in poems like that and uh, makes it into a much more approachable i think it's something that's just very grounded in reality and you know topics around grief and about death and dying are something that children do sadly encounter you know things happen and again poetry can be a a means and a a conduit to allow people to explore that in in a way that's safer that they can understand it through someone else's lens and see their grief and how it's played out or their experiences and you know there's something about words and the spoken word that I think can leave us not feeling quite so alone and I think that's what you know his poetry does for a variety of reasons I also think it allows people to connect to their past to connect to the area that he loved and the history that it has the folklore that it has it's allowing us to make connections with ourselves as human beings and where we've come from for a, in a variety of different ways depending on the the topic itself definitely yeah god there's an awful lot he did really wasn't it <laughs> yeah. i mean and this is why again i think it's just fabulous that the trust is helping to celebrate that because he was he was quieter you know he wasn't someone that like you mentioned he wasn't moving to london and mm. and living the kind of the poetry rock and roll life you know he was very humble he stayed where he loved he mm. lived and died where he loved and he wrote about where he mm. he lived and loved and yeah. you know i think although on great. the same on the other hand he was it's interesting because he did travel a lot. He loved traveling. I mean, he got a taste of that when he was in the Navy during the Second World War. And he, I mean, in difficult circumstances, but he saw a lot more of the world than he would have seen if he just stayed in his little hometown. And then when during his teaching days, he liked to go on holidays with uh, other teachers during the summer holidays. And they go to different countries around Europe and thing on, on coach tours. And so he was... Uh, interesting mix of you know he liked to travel and experience other cultures but also came back to his roots every time as well he was very grounded in the place where he was from and I think that was clearly extremely important to him um yes quite a fascinating mix and and he obviously did enjoy you know like visiting places like london and things like that and other big cities around the world and and when he became a a famous poet of course he was asked to go everywhere you know from canada to australia and america all over the place um so um it's uh he was almost making a point about the importance of um of being local as well and uh having roots and and embracing them of course as well 
And there's something I think when you travel like that, and you do enjoy adventure of traveling to different places, but it's in some in some cases, you know, makes the return home all the more magical too, because you're returning to your roots, to the place that you love and the place that you know. That familiarity, that kind of that connection, it is somehow even more special for having been away for a short while. Definitely. Yeah, and so, sometimes I think English people can be particularly guilty of this idea that we don't have our own sort of culture. You know, we go and experience culture everywhere else, and but we don't have anything of our own, which is a terrible idea, really, when actually we're steeped in it. But sadly, I don't think um, we're educated about it enough at, at school and things like that. So, um, like where I grew up in East Devon, there's loads of history and fascinating things there was a battle site just really near to our village and all sorts of things that we were never taught about at school which they could have done and and I had to learn about it when I got older and I was going to say the same thing that you know it's something that sadly we really do miss out on because we we celebrate so much of what has happened in our past but in terms of what's happening on our doorstep less so and often these events happen and people really just don't know about them. They don't know that they exist. They don't know that you can access them and be able to take part in some incredible history, some incredible storytelling mm. that just allows you to see something in the places that you lived, you know, the, the connections with some of the buildings, the some of the paths that people have, have walked Um some of the stories, the people that it's connected with, to, to make those connections is so empowering. And as storytellers, you know, it's really important that we continue to share that, to continue to do that through music, through poetry, through writing, through through history, because to lose that, I think, would be such a shame. That ground-level history would be such a shame. And, and like I said earlier, I think it's something that we all have that all too often, you know, we we look further afield at where somewhere else is and what they have, but miss what can be right on our own doorstep. And it can be magical. be magical. Exactly. As the the folk singer Chris Wood said, the the gold in your own backyard. That's a beautiful way of putting it. And so appropriate because it's very much true. And, you know, for, for one night, for a few hours, people are going to be able to experience that gold. And I just think... For anybody listening, if you have the opportunity, if you're in the area or want to travel to the area, you know, you could have a great day out and then have this wonderful evening of magic with just a collection of different things to to experience that you would not be able to experience any other time in any other way and see some of the magic for, you know, for the, for this area and what it has to offer. Wow. Are you working for the Cornish Tourist Board? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Well, they'd be very here. pleased with you anyway. <laughs> well, I think, you know, from my point of view, I just think it's an incredible an incredible thing that people get to experience, but also something that really should be spoken about because, like I said, these, these kind of bits of history that sit on our doorsteps so often just get overlooked. And I just really want to take the opportunity to kind of share that with people so that if they are there, they can visit, they know it's on, they know... Mm that they'll be able to experience this and, and have a great day. And, and hopefully, like I said, come away with something at the end mm-hmm. of it. Oh, there's also the, the Launceston Town Museum as well, I should mention, which has got tons of history, of course, in there. And also they've got um, a, a recreation room of 
Charles's study with some of his bits and bobs as well. So that's well worth a visit. And that's also on Castle Street, just down from Eagle House Hotel and various other sites as well. So it's it's all nearby. Perfect. And, yes. you know, you've picked a great date for it because it's on on the 28th of October. So when we're talking Halloween, we really are talking very close to Halloween. And exactly. and and so yeah, Halloween this year, unfortunately, is on a Monday. So it's it a bit is. tricky. So but a great chance to have it over that weekend and. Like we said, just have a ghostly tour, some tales of witchcraft, folklore, ghostly music and poems. I mean, just a whole plethora of different things. Exactly. Um, a great, and, uh, great time. And unfortunately, Charles is, I mean, I know I'm a little bit biased, but, but I think he should be up there with some of the our other nationally well-known poets. But sadly, if you go into Waterstones, you won't find him on the shelves between... Keats and Coleridge, or <laughs> because that would be alphabetically incorrect, but you know, <laughs> you know, um, but no, he like you might find him in a collection book of various poems, but um, he's not so well known about. We have a we have this terrible um kind of tradition, sadly, of allowing some works and some bits of history to just kind of fall by the way for a little bit until it yeah. has that moment of you know resurgence again and it's it's kind of sad that we kind of do that but i think it's primarily led because of sadly um a lot of the things that we do in education you know in terms of the ones that get picked to be part of exam boards or part of study at school and it's it's terrible really but i do mm. think it means that it kind of elevates some for a while and then others fall by Definitely. the way actually charles was included in the national curriculum at one stage apparently he was i remember, I remember timothy winters yes yeah. i remember teaching it and i and i yeah. seem to remember one year that there was um one of his poems as part of the of a reading paper um but that's going back a few years now yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah, so he has but, yeah it's the shame that um i mean obviously we've got some wonderful poets tons of great poets and um there's a handful that you know the names that you just hear again and again and again aren't there all the the famous ones and which is a shame that they don't let in some other voices especially mm. regional ones you know in fact Absolutely. i think that was slightly part of charles's problem is that he through his passion for his locality he sort of got written off as a regional poet, like that was a bad thing. <laughs> um, and so maybe that's why he's not quite as well known as he could have been. Well, uh, he's he's not someone that um, wrote about something that kind of spanned everywhere. And I think that was, like you said, I think that kind of in some ways put him into that regional box. That's true. Saying that, though, um, there is also, there's always like the, as I said, the, the universal in the local, because when you get down to nitty gritty of some things, it's the sort of things that people experience everywhere, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and I yeah. think that's the, that's the kind of the bit that needs to kind of be understood, that actually poetry doesn't just speak to one person in one area. The themes, the same principles span everywhere because it's about human beings and their connections with problems and their past, their future. You know, it's asking the questions that we all ask ourselves often yeah. when we read poetry. We're not so all that the... different, really, are we? Right. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's been absolutely incredible to chat with you. And um, like I said, I really hope that people listening um, look up the details, manage to get some tickets, 
go out for that day, explore the area and then come along and enjoy the evening on the 28th of October. It's just a few weeks away. It's an opportunity you don't want to miss. And to also make sure that you kind of, if I put the details for the Causley Trust and, and things on the website for the podcast, as well as the description notes, to be looking and be mindful of the fact that the Trust puts on events at different times of the year. You mentioned the Christmas event. Yeah. You know, uh, there are plenty of opportunities. There's also to, the Causley Festival yeah which is um well, i think they moved it i think it might be about july time next year um and it's uh, going to be a big one next year as well because it's the uh 20th sounds morbid but it's the 20th commemoration of charles's uh, death and um and it's also 10 years since we made uh, the recording in Charles's house so I think we're going to have a bit of a, a reunion of people that took part in that and perform all those poems again so that would be lovely be magical but to be able to come along to those you know keep an eye on the on the website for the trust and and see what things are coming up because it's a it's a fantastic way to immerse yourself in some wonderful poetry some wonderful history but also support this this local area and to see what it has and to come and have a great fun day out you know definitely something not to miss well thank you so much michelle for um for spreading the word like this no it's a pleasure it's a huge help. and i hope uh, the 28th of october goes fabulously lots of spooky stories and poetry and music yeah that's going to be great fun i'm sure you'll have a blast too <laughs> thank you well, jim for so. your time and no, i will thank you say goodbye to everyone listening bye Super. everyone If you like this podcast, there's a number of things you can do. Come and join us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Spread the word about us with friends and family. Leave a review on our website or other podcast platforms. To support the podcast further, why not head on over to join us on Patreon, where you can sign up to gain a library of additional material and recordings. And in the process, know you're helping the podcast continue to put out more content. On a final note, if you haven't read it already, then you can find my piece In Search of the Medieval in Volume 3 of The Feminine Macabre over on spookeats.com or via Amazon. Links to the book will also be in the episode description. Thank you everyone for your amazing support. Mm -hmm.